And then once we were on the roadmap, the Intel roadmap, we had a predictable improvement path in terms of capacity and performance that we could count on. Hello and welcome to Inside IT from the technology experts at Intel's own IT department. In today's podcast, migrating to an IA-based platform for silicon design. In a previous podcast, we discussed migrating mission-critical systems to Intel architecture. We outlined the process Intel has undergone to move from a risk-based platform in the 90s to a complete Intel architecture-based platform today. In this podcast, we're going to zoom into that process a bit and talk about that transformation in a critical area of business at Intel, design. My name is Elwood Coslett. I'm an Intel Director of IT, and I manage the Data Center Engineering Group. Coslett was the point person on the migration to Intel architecture in Intel's design group. Laying out the strategy to covering this with our executives, to working with the software ISVs and bringing in a new operating system, and then helping the, the projects with their migration and their transition. As Coslett will tell you, it was a big job. We had more than 20,000 design engineers across Intel that needed to migrate. Dozens of, of projects and, and over a six-year period, probably you know, more than 100 projects. In addition to the broad nature of the challenge, design is always working toward mission-critical deliveries. We had to factor in and these moving targets where we couldn't intercept a project and change their environment until they were completely done and the product had been released to the market. So, a little background. Coslett says in the 1990s, Intel was on a risk-based platform, and design was a big user of workstations and servers. We were designing all of our chips utilizing risk-based systems, and at the time, we really didn't have an Intel architecture platform that could stand up to the performance and the throughput of a risk-based system. Then, in the late 1990s, Pentium Pro came out. The performance of that Intel processor for the first time matched or surpassed that of the RISC-based platform Intel was using. That meant the time was right to begin migration to an Intel architecture without hurting design's productivity. And then once we were on the roadmap, the Intel roadmap, we had a predictable improvement path in terms of capacity and performance that we could count on so that the engineers who, who were on an Intel system were actually designing the next generation in Intel CPU. And then when that CPU was, was in the systems, we would be buying those systems and designing the generation after that. Given Moore's law, the idea that chip performance will double every 18 months or so, this transition was critical to Intel's future success. Performance would now never be a barrier to designing the next generation CPU. The migration to Intel architecture also meant adopting Linux as a standard operating system. Intel now had greater flexibility in choosing the software and hardware that best met their design needs. We were no longer tied to a single OEM supplier or, or operating system vendor for that matter, which provided us the ability to maintain multiple vendors' platforms, uh, Intel-based platforms in the environment and we could move back and forth pretty seamlessly, not only from a software compatibility standpoint, but 
from a pricing and negotiation standpoint as well, we knew that we could move from one supplier to the next without a lot of heavy lifting and get the best price performance, which was critical for us. Coslett describes the migration of the platform for chip design at Intel as a three-phase process. About 70% of design's computing cycles are dedicated to running batch jobs, simulations of the chips. That was phase one. So that's where we started our planning from a migration standpoint was really where, where do we get the largest uh, return on investment and is also the least complex in terms of the applications that can move and be qualified on, um, from RISC to Intel architecture. Then, phase two. Which included some interactive applications and some additional batch. These were large-scale, high-memory types of systems. Then the third and most complex phase. And that's where we spent a lot of time with the software ISV, I should say, that supplied those interactive applications. And we worked closely with them to move the application over and to get it qualified on Intel architecture. Coslett says this last phase took some work. Linux wasn't widely used at the time, and the software vendors were hesitant to move off the risk-based systems. What we needed to do was, was to go out and work directly with the ISVs and uh, help convince them. And in some cases, we put some engineers at their site to help them port some of the code that that needed to move over just to prove that it could be done easily and very simply. We also needed to convince them that there was a demand besides us in the marketplace. So we worked with other companies who built chips, pulled them together and, and got them into dialogue and discussion with some of these ISVs and, and helped to convince them that yes, Linux was an up and coming thing from an operating system standpoint, and that they all wanted to move off of risk architectures. This migration was part of creating a much more efficient environment. At one point, Intel had around 75,000 servers just for design. Since that peak, Intel has been able to reduce that to around 40,000 servers and still meet the year-over-year demand increase of 20 to 30, sometimes 40 percent. If we were not on Intel architecture, trying to meet that and trying to keep our our design engineers productive and able to design that next chip would have required probably at supercomputers and, and a number of them sitting inside of the company and across it. And company-wide, Coslett says the migration to Intel architecture saved a bunch of money. The figure is $1.4 billion, and that was over the six-year period, and that was in comparison to, you know, remaining on, on the risk computing platforms while still trying to scale to meet the demands that our silicon projects required in order to get their designs completed. And Coslett says these cost savings, along with the increased productivity as a result of the migration to Intel architecture that started years ago, have allowed Intel to stay at the forefront of chip design. That does it for this edition of Inside IT. For more information on Intel's migration to Intel architecture or anything else IT-related, go to www.intel.com IT. While you're there, you can sign up for the Intel IT Center for regular updates on IT topics, third-party research, IT-focused events, and more. For Inside IT, I'm Paul Landcourt.